Hey, if you're jumping in late, I'm J.D. Mangrum. I get to be the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. Get the privilege of welcoming you on this first Sunday of 2021 to church. So glad you're starting your year in this way. It's pretty exciting. Uh, how many of you are resolution makers? This is honestly, you know, where I don't like uh, meeting across the digital platform. I wish we were face-to-face. -face. I would ask you today if we were face-to-face, -face, how many of you are resolution makers and Inevitably, about half of you would say you are not, you think they're silly, uh, then the other half would say you are resolution makers. I'll give you a second in the chat, why don't you go ahead and write, are you or are you not? For those who are, would love to even hear in the chat maybe, what's a resolution that you've made for this year and uh, any resolutions, any goals, any things that you are going to implement into your life and in 2021. Full confession, typically most years I am the resolution guy. I I usually make some goals, and in fact, I'm such a nerd that I'll even create kind of a, a number spreadsheet that'll guide me and hold me accountable to meeting my different goals and resolutions for the year. How many of you a few years ago saw, kind of switching gears, saw that movie Invictus? Uh, do you remember that? It had Morgan Freeman, who played uh, the, uh, Nelson Mandela, and then Matt Damon, who played the, the captain of the South African rugby team. And it was all about their sort of relationship as South Africa was on its way to winning the Rugby World Cup. Um, sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, in, the, in the movie, uh, Morgan Freeman quoted the poem by William Ernest Henley called Invictus. Uh, Mandela was quite fond of the poem. It actually helped him often while he was in prison on Robben Island during apartheid in South Africa to get to get through and push through. When I think about resolutions, I actually think about this poem. Let me read to you Henley's uh, Invictus. Out of the night that covers me black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloodied, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. When I think about resolutions, I, I think about a bit about that poem, this sort of, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. And maybe you roll into 2021 feeling like that. For me, when I first heard that poem, when I first saw that movie, it, it really um, impressed me, honestly, that resolve. And I kind of wanted that. But then I got to thinking about it. I was like, man, that actually really terrifies me, having to be the master of my fate and the captain of my soul. One who can guarantee their provision. If, if 2020 taught us a single thing, I, I hope it taught us that only God can provide certain things for us. There are some things that are just completely out of our control, regardless of what the poet thinks or what society tells us. There's some things we just can't provide for ourselves. Also, the poem makes me remember that I can't protect myself fully. I there are too many predators out there. Some of the predators are external. Some of the predators in my life, and I imagine yours, are internal. Some are visible. Some are very invisible. Um, but life is too difficult to provide and to protect ourselves, to want to be, to truly long to be the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. So may I, this morning, as we begin a new series on Psalm 23, share with you 
a different way, a different way forward, a different way to live. Now, Psalm 23 was written by King David or in honor of Israel's great King David. Um, and it begins in Hebrew with this. It says, of David, and then it moves into the psalm or the song. Maybe some of you have grown up with Psalm 23. Maybe some of you have heard it at a funeral or elsewhere. For me with Psalm 23, full disclosure, when I'm riding in the car with someone else and I'm a little nervous and I'm hanging on to the oh, you know what bar, um, sometimes I will quote Psalm 23 sort of passive aggressively. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and so on and so forth as a way to say, hey, would you mind slowing down? Or hey, would you mind not breaking so late? This is my relationship to Psalm 23. I don't know what yours is, but I think it's quite the alternative to I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. So let me read to you. Psalm 23 today, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Contrast this with Invictus. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful poem. Not meant just for funerals and uh, traffic scares. Meant for every day of our life as an alternative to the way of thinking that we have to be the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. So for the next few weeks, we're going to go through phrase by phrase, Psalm 23, and talk about this beautiful uh, Hebrew poem, this worship song that applies to us today in 2021. Today, I just want to look at that first phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. You know, for, for centuries, people, when they talked about God or thought about God, they used this Hebrew word, Elohim. It meant God. The ancients thought of God as this distant, far-off creator being, this huge cosmic being. But beginning with Abram or Abraham, his descendants, and especially sort of crescendoing with Moses, the Lord began to say, look, I'm not just God. I'm the Lord. You can know me personally. In fact, Yahweh, the Lord, Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, the Lord is my name. It's my personal name. God invites humanity to know him, to know him personally. Now, how do we get to know God? Jesus in John 10 said, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus very intentionally said it, and his hearers would have hearkened back to Psalm 23, and they would have thought, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And they would have equated the two. And Jesus is saying, I am your shepherd. I am the Lord. I am a good shepherd. And that offer is for us today. If we want to know what the Lord is like, he's not just God up in the heavens, this cosmic being. He is a knowable God. The Lord who's given us his name and shared it with us is my shepherd. And we know him in and through the person of Jesus. The second word there, the Lord is. 
not was, not will be. It's not that God, what God did once upon a time in the past when I was 14 or 20 or 30 or four years ago, or even in 2020, the same is true for you. It's not what God did once upon a time through a family member or through something that happened in your past. God is the God of today. He wants to be doing things today. The Lord is. The saddest church people I know were the people who had some experience with God decades ago and they just sit in a cold and lonely sort of spiritual corporate worship experience with no stories about what God has done in recent years or days. The Lord is not will be not what God's going to do off in the future through some sort of obedience or some leap of faith. Not what he's going to do tomorrow. Not what he did once upon a time. The Lord is. God is currently at work in your life and in my life. What does God want to do in your life this year? Think about Carson Tager here and all God's done in his life in the last couple of years. Two years ago, he went public with his decision to follow Christ. Last year, he began to lead a small group in our church and he baptized his son Barrett and God's been blessing him over the last couple of years. But God wants to do something in Carson's life in 2021 that is different and even in a lot of ways better than what he did in 2020 or in 2019. The same is true for each one of us. There are three ways we can look at faith and live it. One, we can worship this God who did something before and our best days are behind. It's no way to live. It's, it's not how it's meant to be. The other way is to think about and live in some future faith, what we're going to do, what we're going to believe, how we're going to act in faith. But the way of the cross, the, the way of following Christ in faith of Lord is, is to be obeying and understand that the best days are now as we abide in Jesus. The Lord is my, the Lord is my, God is personal, God is relatable, God is knowable. This is incredible that it's not just Elohim, the God out here, the creator, the big guy in the sky. Those are so disrespectful. And so such a small sliver of the picture when God has offered us the privilege of knowing him, not just knowing about him, not knowing Bible verses or knowing things of faith, but of actually knowing God. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, when, my, when my grandparents had their 50th wedding anniversary almost 30 years ago, I guess, uh, George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush sent a signed note of congratulations to uh, my grandparents congratulating them on that. I always thought that was so cool. It began kind of a fascination for me with George H.W. Bush. He, you know, he played college baseball, uh, which I love baseball, so that was fascinating. He was a war hero. There's a great documentary a couple years ago on Netflix called 41 and 41. It was interviewing 41 family members, friends, and world leaders on President Bush 41. He just seems like the nicest guy. So over that, I... I, I, there were things about his character and his faith that I wanted to, some that I wanted to emulate, honestly. So I became fascinated with him. I, I got to know some things about George H.W. Bush. But one night when Nat and I had just lived here a few weeks, we had dinner with a family here in Charlestown. And on their wall of photos, they had a photo of George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush. And I asked him, I said, I gotta ask, why do you have that picture here? And our host, our friend said, Oh, Uncle George and Aunt Barbara, she said, that's my grandfather's brother. And she began to tell me amazing stories about 
George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush and their children and their family and how they're amazing people and how she loved uh, her grandfather's brother and his wife and just they were just such neat people. Listen, she knew George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush. I knew about them. God, the Lord is my God invites. The Lord invites you and I to know him, to know him. He's personal and relatable and knowable. And we know him through the Bible. We know him through prayer. We know him through walking and relationship with God. It's not that God's just sort of out here and we've got to know about him, but we can know him and we know him through the Bible. And we don't have to read it for an hour a day. And I would definitely not recommend that you begin your year starting with Genesis 1 and going through the last chapter of Revelation. You'll get to maybe the middle of Exodus, certainly Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and get bogged down. Listen, start somewhere like Psalm 23 or the book of Philippians or the book of James or one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And just read digestible little sections each day, maybe five to ten minutes, just getting to know God in the Word. With prayer, you have to pray these long prayers where you just sit for hours like some mystic. Just talk with God and seek to see what he says to your heart. Walk in relationship with God. This is how we know God. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what does that mean for God to be our shepherd? We'll, we'll actually flesh that out more each week. So this is my invitation back. If you want to hear specifically what it means for God to be your shepherd and my shepherd as we begin 2021, come each week. But if the Lord is our shepherd, what does that make us? Well, it makes us sheep. And that's kind of humbling, right? Like we'd like to hear that we're lions or we're something more noble or loyal, but we're sheep. And there are a lot of parallels between humans and sheep. And so Jesus and David very intentionally refer to the Lord as our shepherd and refer to us as sheep. And so can I share with you, I think, five parallels today. One, sheep have this mass mind, this group thing, this mob mentality. Um, they tend to be majority followers. And as much as we like to think we're individuals, we are for the most part followers, right? Like we are for the most part followers um, and we're like sheep like that. When you come upon a group of sheep in a field, oftentimes you'll see them. They'll kind of move just as a herd, literally bunched together. And we tend to do that. That's why in the 21st century, by the way, here, especially in New England, it can be really difficult. It's a courageous act to follow Christ. When you make bold moves in 2021, let me tell you, there's going to be pressure from maybe family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, for you to be as mediocre spiritually as possible, as lukewarm as possible. And even potentially in our church, if you go all in and you are totally sold out to God, even in our church, people may look and go, hey, what's, what's going on with her? What's going on with him? It's because we tend to like mediocrity and we tend to be group thinkers, uh, majority followers. And so I want to encourage you to know that as a sheep, you were, we're inclined to kind of just think in a group. But if the Lord is your shepherd, you trust the shepherd wherever he calls you, even if it's not where the group is going. A second thing about sheep is they can be very fearful and timid. And as much as we like to put on the brave face and I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul, we know deep down we're, we can be pretty fearful and timid. Let's be honest. 
How many of you 2020 kind of exposed a nerve of fear and timidity? Now, some of you may have toughened up, but whether it was the virus or the economy or uncertainty with family or something else, 2020 exposed a lot of fears and timidity in us. And and really, like, that's not to make us feel ashamed, just to help us understand we're a lot like sheep. And we need a shepherd because we're fearful and timid. Third, we can be stubborn almost to the point that we can be, and forgive me if this is not a good word with your kids, but we can almost be so stubborn that we look stupid. Sheep are really dumb animals, quite frankly, because they're so stubborn. They're so slow to learn. They just come off like dum-dums. And man, that's how you and I can be if we're honest. Like life has two great teachers, wisdom and consequence. Wisdom is learning before the trouble. Consequence is learning from the trouble. Sadly, most of the time when it comes to righteousness and growth and character and discipleship, if we're honest, don't we usually learn more by consequence than wisdom? Sheep are like that. They're stubborn. And we can be like sheep. So what does that mean? That we should be ashamed? No, it means we need a shepherd. Fourth, Sheep can be ignorantly endangering. We'll really look at this one in a week or two. And it's a good message. You don't want to miss it. Sheep can be ignorantly endangering. And we do that as well. We can hang on to sin in our own way. And I remember a pastor of mine used to say, you know, sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. We can be ignorantly endangering. We can go toward those things. So, does that mean we're to feel shame and beat ourselves up and try to go our own way, be the master of our fate, captain of our soul? No, it means we need a shepherd. And then finally, sheep can be needy, but they often don't see it. And isn't that true of us? When I want to be the master of my fate, the captain of my soul, I have to come to grips with the fact that I have to provide for everything and protect myself from everything. And I know, frankly, I can't do it. And I know you can't do it either. For some of you, the best thing that happened to you in 2020 was God brought you to the point where you recognized your need for him, where you began maybe for the first time in a long time or the first time ever to recognize your need for him. He's a good shepherd and we are sheep and we need his mercy. Let me tell you one last thing, just a beautiful little nugget and then I'll wrap it up. When a shepherd purchased a sheep, he would mark it. He would literally put a a mark on its ear that was unique to that shepherd so that if two flocks uh, came together in a field or on a pass, the shepherds could tell the difference between their sheep and they would maintain their sheep. When the Lord, when you became his sheep, if you're a follower of Christ, he marked you. How did he mark you? Did we get a mark, an outward symbol? Not necessarily. I think there are three marks. One is the mark of Jesus. And these marks, actually Jesus bears, not us. They're the marks in Jesus' hands and his side and his feet from crucifixion. In eternity, Jesus in his resurrected body will still have those marks reminding us that it's by Jesus and not by us that we became part of God's family, that we came under the care and ownership of the good shepherd. Jesus bears the first mark of relationship and ownership. Second, though, we get the mark of the Holy Spirit. We get the mark of the Spirit, the the, the Spirit of God comes and lives in us when we become a follower of Christ. God begins to do things in us that we wouldn't choose of our own. God changes us from the inside out. He gives us a new heart and he changes us from the inside out by his Spirit, the Spirit of God living in us. A third mark of salvation, an outward mark, would be baptism. 
This is a big step. This is a bold move step that a lot of people are wrestling with and questioning. And, uh, and, and understand, that's a bold move when you do it. It's a mark. It's historically the first mark of a new believer. But then as a church, we have what we call five measures. And these would be the measures, the signs that the gospel is winning. See, it's not enough to just put a checklist where we say, oh, I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. I got to give money. I got to love my wife or not cheat on my taxes or whatever the case may be. We can do those things and our hearts be totally unchanged. So as a church, this is on our website, on our About Us page, we've said at Christ Church Charlestown, we want five measures that the gospel is winning in our lives. And these aren't a list, but they're signs that the gospel is winning. Can I share them with you really quickly? Number one, the first measure of it, the gospel is winning in our life is passionate pursuit of Jesus. Passionate pursuit of Jesus through the word, through prayer, through those things. Again, not a checklist, but we can see the mark of the shepherd on our life when we're passionately pursuing Jesus. Number two, living in community. Living in community. The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. We were meant to live in community. A mark of the shepherd, as we read scripture um, on our life, is that we begin to walk in community because I know that I have something I need to give to you and I have something I need to receive from you. So we live in community. It's why Nick and I are really pushing groups and want you to be in in group because a sign of maturation and trusting God is living in community. Number three, exercising your giftedness. Now, all of us were given natural gifts at birth. And if you're a Christian, the Bible says we get spiritual gifts when God's spirit comes and lives in us. And we need to exercise those gifts and that giftedness within the body of Christ and in our community. And a mark or a measure of a growing faith is that I'm not just a consumer. I don't just watch on Sunday or come on Sunday and listen, but I'm beginning to serve and exercise my unique gifts that God has given me to embody his love in the church and in the community and in the world. Number four, stewarding life. Stewarding life. Everybody has time, everybody has talents, and everybody has treasure. And we are called not to be the owners of those things, but managers of those things. And so we manage them. And part of maturing and a mark of the shepherd and being his is I'm learning to steward all of life. You guys did a beautiful job with this from Thanksgiving to New Year's. You gave, I think, around $12,000, which allowed our church to give back locally and to our networks in Boston and even globally to church planting and missions. You stewarded your resources at Christmas in a beautiful and God-honoring way. I want to challenge you as you continue to mature to continue to do that in 2021, giving to what God is doing in and through Christ Church Charlestown. And then five, the fifth mark and measure would be sharing your grace story, sharing openly and freely but boldly because it is a little nerve-wracking what God has done in your life what your life was like before Christ, how Christ inter intercepted, interrupted your life, and how you became a follower of Christ or are considering that, and then how your life has changed or is changing since then. As people begin to freely share their grace story, we can see God at work. I see this on Sundays when you hit share. That's a bold move. Some of you have told me about talking with family members and friends this Christmas about what God has done in your life. These are marks of the shepherd on your life. Look, you can go the Invictus route this year. You can, you know, go the route of, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It's, you will finish the year really tired. The better way, the way of Jesus, 
is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. As we make that confession and orient our lives around that truth, everything changes and our life begins to bear the marks of being his over and over and over in a beautiful and sweet and compelling way. See, changes us from the inside out. Let me pray for us today. Father, for those who are looking to begin 2021 under new ownership, I pray maybe today that they would say, Lord, please forgive my sin. I trust the death and resurrection of Jesus that it was for me because you're a personal God. And I give my life to you today as best I know how. There, I begin 2021 wanting to a new, a new lease on life, to be part of a new family, to be under a good shepherd, not to be the master and captain of my own fate and soul. Lord, I thank you that when someone begins to just pray and give their life to you, that you become our shepherd. We switch owners, as we'll see in the weeks to come. We can know the Lord as our personal shepherd. God, for the rest of us, I pray that those marks and measures would begin to methodically be found in our life by the work of the Spirit. And thank you, Jesus, that the big mark, the big measure was done by you. You carry the weight of our salvation in your nail-scarred hands and feet. So God, I thank you that salvation isn't ours to initiate or ours to maintain or ours to complete. It was started, maintained, and, com and will be completed by Jesus. But yet, God, as his work works in us and on us and for us and through us, we begin to look like him. So God, may these marks and measures begin to mark our lives in 2021. We love you. We start today giving this year to you. We give ourselves fully to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.